I remember the last time I ran out of gas. Uh, we lived in Arapahoe, Nebraska, and I was driving by myself uh, on the way to Camp Kamika to give a chapel talk there, I think, at some summer camp. And, uh, you know, it is a terrible feeling when you run out of gas, isn't it? You, your, your car kind of sputters and chugs, and, 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 then, and then you realize, oh, no. And you look down at your gauge, and the needle is below the E. Or if you've got a newer car now, they kind of just do all this flashy stuff at you. And, that's, and you realize that no matter how new or old your car is, when, it, when you have no gas, you're not going anywhere. You have no power. How many of you have ever been in a car where you ran out of gas? A lot of you, all right? So uh, I've got a question for you. And I will post it here on the, on the screen. Tell about a time when you, when, when you ran out of gas, who were you with, and where were you going? And, of course, if you've never run out of gas, maybe you could sub in a time when a car broke down, if you've had that. If you haven't, then just count yourself fortunate, right? And, and what I'd like you to do now is huddle up into groups of three or four and, and, and respond to this. But before you uh, start sharing, kind of look around you. If you see somebody who's alone, just kind of, hey, come join our group. And, and if you don't want to share today, you don't have to. Feel free to, to just listen. And by the way, at, we don't do this all the time, but once in a while. And remember, I only give you a couple of minutes. So jump right in, starting now. Okay, about 15 seconds left. All right. I, I, remember the, I remember the first time I ran out of gas, too. I was in high school on a date. Yeah, I get a lot of, sure, yeah, I get that a lot. But it actually happened. She, she lived out in the country. We were about a half a mile from her house. Oh, then her parents drove up. So that was kind of good and bad both, you know. All right. Anyway. Uh, I remember a guy who, uh, who drove an old beat-up panel truck. It was his work van. And the gas gauge didn't work. And so he had, he had a, an extra gas, tank, a gas can in the back of his van. And so he would just drive it until it ran out of gas. And then he would pour some in from that extra gas can. He'd go, he'd go to the gas station and fill up his tank and fill up the can, put it back there, and he'd just keep driving until he ran out of gas again. That's just how he did it. Now, most of us, we don't carry an extra gas can in the back of our vehicle, but when, when we, if we do run out of gas, that's just a miserable feeling, isn't it? Because we realize we're not going anywhere. We are out of power. So today we are talking about power, about receiving power from the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the first thing that I want to share with you about it. Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God given to Jesus' people to reside within us and empower us. Let's say that together, shall we? The Holy Spirit is the presence of God given to Jesus' people to reside within us and empower us. Jesus knew that, that his people, his movement would never continue. They would never make it without the Holy Spirit. And see, so he told him, he said, you know, I know you're really going to miss me when I'm gone, but I want to tell you, it's a really good thing that I'm leaving 
because that's after I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended to his Father was this. He told his disciples, you will receive power. It's one of the greatest promises of the Bible. You will receive power. We find it in Acts 1, verse 8. Uh, Jesus said this, and let's say it all together. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And here are a few of the other things that the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you power to love God and love people. The Holy Spirit gives you power to not be afraid of others. The Holy Spirit gives you power to apply what Jesus taught you. The Holy Spirit gives you power to to bless others. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we can never experience the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. When the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, you gradually become more loving a more loving person. You become a more joyful person. You even become a more patient person. I mean, isn't this some of the best news you've ever heard in your life? Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but Pentecost Sunday ranks right up there with Christmas and Easter in the Christian calendar, though it's really not known outside of the church. This is the day when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit, as uh, Marilyn read for us from the Scripture. Uh, Pentecost, though, it lands on a different Sunday every year, but it's always seven weeks after Easter. Now, Pentecost is also a Jewish holiday. Did you know that? It started as a a, a wheat harvest festival, and the name Pentecost means 50th. And it's celebrated on the 50th day after Passover. So Pentecost was one of the three big annual Jewish festivals, and every uh, uh, Jew was expected to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the uh, festival if they were physically able to do so. Uh, Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they didn't know anything extraordinary was going to happen on that Pentecost festival that year. I mean, they knew the Holy Spirit was coming because Jesus said so. They just didn't know when. And it's the same with us. You don't make an appointment with the Holy Spirit. It's not like you can say, yes, I think I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let's do it on the 27th at 530. You know, it doesn't work like that. Jesus... Jesus said the the Spirit is like wind, and you don't schedule when the wind blows. It just comes. The filling of the Spirit comes on the Spirit's terms, not ours. You know, when I was a young person, I uh, was going through a big time of spiritual searching. I've shared some of that before. I'm not going to share all of it today, but without telling you the whole story, uh, the day came when, when I prayed and I told Jesus that I wanted to know him. I wanted to know him personally, and I wanted him to be in my life. And I just said, okay, Lord, here it is. I give you my life. I'm all yours. And something happened. You know, I didn't know it then. I couldn't have put the words to it. But I look back now, and I believe that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And for a moment, I even even felt something. I sensed something, a, a presence that wasn't there before. 
And, and even though, you know, most of the time I'm like everybody else, I don't feel the Holy Spirit, but I still believe the Holy Spirit lives within me. And, and, I, and I believe the Holy Spirit brings the presence and power of God into my life. Does the Holy Spirit reside in you? Well, if you believe in Jesus, if you belong to him, then I would say the answer is yes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we're always living in the power of the Spirit. Sometimes I think we disconnect ourselves from, from the Spirit and the Spirit's power. Let me, let me tell you a story to, to illustrate that a little bit. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, one day a bunch of us were helping out a neighbor uh, that I knew pretty well, uh, and we were putting up hay. And so out in the field, we, we uh, loaded up four hay racks, uh, five and six layers high uh, with, with bales, and then they had to be hauled down the road a few miles to a barn where we would unload them and stack them all up. Uh, the neighbor drove one tractor pulling two full hay racks behind him, and he asked me to drive the other tractor. Uh, it was an old farm all, if I remember. Uh, and so I pulled the other two hay racks, you know, one hitched in tandem behind the other. And, of course, I had a lot of experience driving tractors. This was a piece of cake. And a couple of guys rode on the tractor with me. A few others sat up uh, way on top of the bales on the rack. And uh, we were driving down the gravel road, and we came to the hill by the fudge house. Now, it was called the fudge house not because they made fudge, but because their names were fudge, but anyway. And, and it, this was the steepest hill in the area. And uh, as we went downhill, the pressure of all that weight from those, those loaded hay racks behind me, uh, the tractor started going a little faster then I felt comfortable going at that moment. And then the exhaust pipe in front of me let out a big pow, like a gunshot. And then another and another pow. I mean, I had never heard anything like this before, and I didn't know what was happening. I tried gently nudging the brakes, which helped a little, but these explosions just kept erupting out of the exhaust pipe. And then I did the thing that I wish I had not done. With my left foot, I pushed down on the clutch. And as soon as I did, we started racing down the hill. I, 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 I applied more pressure to the brakes, but that only caused some swerving, and the trailers behind me started swaying. And by the time we got to the bottom of the hill, hay bales and people went flying into the ditch. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but I'll never forget that day. I was shaking. We got the hay reloaded. The neighbor came back and he apologized for not telling me that his old tractor would backfire going down that hill. And it was, just, it was okay to just let it backfire. You see, once I hit the clutch, I became disconnected from the power of the tractor to hold back the speed. When I disconnected from my source of power, that's when I was in trouble. 
As Christians, we don't, we don't want to disconnect from our source of power. The, the Apostle Paul tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. Stay connected to the Spirit, our source of power. It's about walking by faith every day. It's about depending on the wisdom of the Spirit, depending on the strength of the Spirit, depending on the guidance of the Spirit. You know, last week, uh, uh, Holly Timberlake, our director of, of adult and family discipleship, she and I got together a little bit, and we were, we were laying out some possibilities for a, a sermon small group series for the fall, and, and then at one point, it just seemed like the fog cleared, and, and what we should do was right there in front of us all along. It just wasn't clear until that moment. Now, do I know with absolute certainty that this was the Holy Spirit guiding us? Well, no, not with absolute certainty, but with enough certainty to act on it. And that's what, that's what walking by faith is about, isn't it? Last Sunday, I, I met, or you, maybe if you were here, you remember my friend, uh, Pastor Randy Dills, gave the message. If not, you can watch it online or on our app or listen to the podcast. Uh, Randy's one of the pastors that I pray with every month. And one of the things that I've learned from him is about the generosity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is very giving, very generous with, with his power to give us wisdom and guidance and strength. So, and, and here's the rest of Acts 1, verse 8. Uh, we only saw part of it before, but here's the rest of it. You will receive power when who? Say it with me. The Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? My witnesses. Well, what is a witness? Witness is someone who simply tells what happened. I mean, if you go to a court and you're a witness, you just share what you experienced. And, and to be a witness for Jesus, uh, the whole, we need two things from the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit gives us caring and courage so we can tell about Jesus. Caring and courage are a powerful duo, aren't they? And when they come from God, caring and courage can change the world. But I, know, I also know myself that on my own power, I'm really not going to care enough. You know, I got my own life. I'm not going to care enough to well, it bother me whether somebody, you know, hears about Jesus or not, or, and I'm certainly not going to be courageous enough. It's just not going to happen. I'm, I'm just kind of going to go my own way, and I don't want to ruffle anybody's, and, you know, I, I'm just not going to go there. What, what I find is it takes the power of the Holy Spirit in me to have that right balance. And these two do, they, they need to be in tandem. They need to be in balance, caring and courage. And so when I do have an opportunity to be a witness, I realize, hey, the Holy Spirit was in this, because I don't think I could have done it on myself, by myself. You know, here at Faith Westwood, we've adopted the acronym BLESS. Uh, you see it on the banners on either side. It's also on the back of your program every Sunday. The, the first one is begin with prayer. And of course, you know, I pray for people that I'm trying to be a blessed friend with, uh, but I also have to pray for myself a lot, because uh, I, I have to pray that the Holy Spirit will give me the caring and the courage I need to be a blessed friend in a way that is personal and genuine. 
A few Fridays ago, Trish and I went down to the old market, and uh, we were walking around and enjoying the nice evening and hearing, walking past some of the street corner performers. You know, they're always down there. And, and uh, anyway, we'd walked for a good bit around, and we were looking for a place to sit down. We found uh, a bench. And uh, so we were sitting there, and then a little bit later, a homeless guy comes up, and he sits on a bench opposite of because these two benches were facing each other. And uh, he made some comment, you know, I had my arm around, he made some comment about, oh, the happy couple, you know. And uh, he had just bought a coffee from Subway. Can I, I, we talked about it, he said, well, this is the cheapest coffee in, ta- in the downtown, $1.49. And so we started talking, and I asked him questions, and he, he said he'd been, he'd been staying at Sienna Francis' house, but decided he just had to get out for a few days. So he was kind of just out on his own and, and sleeping in the streets or whatever he wanted, and he's probably going to go back. Well, we must have sat there, you know, talking with him for 20 minutes or so, and at one point, an idea came to me, and I, I leaned over and whispered to Trish, and she, she went to our car, which was, you know, not quite a block away, and she brought back this panhandler bag that I had stashed in the back seat. And so we gave it to him, and he looked at it, and he goes, and one thing really caught his eye. He was so excited. He said, a pair of socks, because he was wearing some, some lightweight shoes, but he didn't have any socks. And so uh, he, he opened the zip-top bag, and he, he reached out and grabbed those socks, and he slipped off his shoes, and he, he crossed each leg. And before he put on those socks, he kissed each foot. And uh, so I asked him, you know, why? And he says, I love my feet. <laughs> and I said, they've been with you through a lot, haven't they? You know, he goes, yeah. And so, and, you know, at one point, uh, he told me about his addiction. He didn't explain too much. But I encouraged him. and said, when you get back to Sienna Francis' house, go look up Chuck Cornwell. He, he, he's a retired pastor in our church who also now works as a counselor at Sienna Francis' house. And, you know, I don't know. I just look back at that whole thing, and I'm thinking, this was a Holy Spirit conversation. You know, I'm not saying I did it perfectly. There might be things I, I could have done better or differently, but, but I also think that the Holy Spirit was in it and guiding this conversation. And, you know, it wasn't because I'm a pastor. It could have happened with any of us. During my morning prayer time, one of the things that I pray for is I, I open up my calendar, unless I just kind of remember it in my head, but I, I pray through all the things on my calendar for that day. You know, appointments and meetings and responsibilities that I have. Uh, and I pray that I will be directed by the Holy Spirit. Guided, empowered, strengthened for what I have to do. Uh, and so here's another truth that we find throughout Scripture and even in the experience of our own lives. Prayer precedes the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you found that to be true, some of you? Prayer precedes the work of the Holy Spirit. Ten days after, uh, excuse me, ten days before Pentecost festival, uh, Jesus left his disciples, as I said, he ascended into heaven. And then what did, the disciples, what did his followers do? Go home and binge watch Netflix? No. They prayed. They got together every day. And they prayed. They spent time praying together. 
They prayed a lot. Acts 1.14 says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. There were about 120 of them, and, and they prayed because they wanted more of God. They wanted what Jesus had promised them to come. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 1, as Marilyn read, says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I'm sure that they had just come, hey, let's just keep praying till the Holy Spirit comes. And then that day, something happened. They heard the sound of a windstorm, but there was no wind. It was the Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But for the ten days leading up to that, they had been praying. You see, prayer precedes the work of the Holy Spirit so often. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had just been threatened by the authorities to no longer speak uh, about Jesus. Uh, But they said, hey, we can't shut up. We wouldn't want to. They, They had Holy Spirit courage in the face of opposition. Well, after that, they returned to their sisters and brothers in Christ, and they, and they had another prayer meeting. They all prayed together, and, and they prayed for God to continue to work miracles, and they prayed for courage to face these kinds of threats. And after they prayed, Acts 4.31 says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they were already filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And yet this was like another outpouring, a fresh expression of the Holy Spirit. And it says their courage, their boldness became even greater. Prayer precedes the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to end the message with a time of prayer. I'm going to offer four prayer suggestions this is going to be kind of a guided prayer time. And after each suggestion, I'm just going to have some t- a little bit of time for silence so you can pray it to God however you want and whatever words you want. Um, and then after that, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up in, in, in prayer. Let's, let's begin. Let's pray. First, tell Jesus you claim him as your Savior and you give your life to him as your Lord. Now, invite the Holy Spirit to be the presence of God living inside you. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to live that life that Jesus is made possible for us. And then tell the Holy Spirit, you want to receive the caring and the courage to be a witness for Christ.
Well, Lord God, we confess to you that we are weak on our own. We are unable to, to live this life that Jesus called us to live. It's just beyond us. And so, Lord, we thank you so much that you have, you have given us this great gift, that your own presence in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit, to live within us, to, to uh, be that inner influence, to be that inner reminder, the strength, the power, the love, the joy. Lord, we pray that you'll allow those qualities of Christ to be nourished within us. Lord, help us to keep learning as we go along the way to, to recognize your leading in our lives, to be used by you in the, in the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.